And the rubber chicken says, Matt Gates took me across state lines, drugged me, and tried to get me into bed with him. And for God's sakes, I'm an underage rubber chicken. No, you're not. <laughs> Matt Gates, hashtag Matt Gates. Enough said. It certainly is enough said. You're making this stuff up. You're just crazy, rubber chicken. We got a show to do. This is Lewis Black's Rantcast number 37, entitled, And the Beat Goes On. It certainly does. Well, things must be changing just a little because it's Monday, and it feels like a Monday. And I don't know how that's possible because most days have always felt like the same day. <laughs> For some reason, today really feels like like just another, like that beginning of the work week. And, uh, and I'm already behind. I guess it's coming out of the the big, uh, you know, the Eastern Pesach uh, holidays. And let me wish you all a happy Easter and a, and a very happy Pesach. First Passover, I was not invited to a, uh, a service uh, or a Seder, which is fine, because usually I have to beg off because it's really, um, ours is different. No, uh, it's not. Um, I know everybody thinks theirs is different and it's more up to date. And, and, and I understand why people do it and I get it. But um, I just went through it. And a lot of the times, some of the memories are a little traumatic. I mean, there was no horrifying things occurring. Um, but but my family, we just reached a point where we we kind of we gave it up. And uh, whenever they tried to uh, take us to a few places, whenever the folks would bring us to one place or another, we tried. And it, it just didn't work. And my mother, it was never pursued because her her brisket was, uh, it was like, uh, I, I think horror movies could be, uh, I, I think her brisket could be the basis of a horror movie. Uh, it, it was really... Uh, a, a, Frightening, uh, what she could do to that, to that piece of meat is, you know, I mean, uh, it's amazing, you know, um, the Irish know, you know, how to deal with it, you know, in their own fashion. And, uh, they, the folks know how to certainly, uh, the, the Texans certainly know how to, you know, slap that barbecue together, but who. uh, mom is, she would just boil that stuff up and it would turn into a billion rubber bands. It was it was fun to play with, and uh, it might have actually worked well during the war effort. If uh, if the army needed rubber, mom could have s- sat over that stove for hours, turning out billions of rubber bands for military use. <laughs> and uh, but no, no, it didn't work out. And no, um, no, I did not. Did, didn't you Easter egg hunt? No, no. That never intrigued me anyway. And did I like watching the big rabbit? No peeps. Fuck you and your peeps. Um, no, none of that. But I, I hope you in, enjoyed your holidays. And I've always liked uh, these holidays because, you know, more than, you know, in, in a sense, because they take place during the spring. I, I'd look for a more um, pagan holiday if I, if I thought of it when I was younger something to celebrate rebirth. And both of them do in their own fashion. Not really, well, Passover in the sense that it takes place in the spring. Mostly it's about getting the fuck out of Egypt, which is in a sense its own rebirth. And enough Sunday school with, with Lewis Black. And do I know of what I speak? Yeah, because I, uh, 
I spent a, a long time. I went to, I went to uh, Sunday school till I was 15. I have a little, I'm confirmed. I got a degree. I'll show you sometime. Big year for the billionaires, turns out, trundling along in my reading this week. And the, the, uh, there are all sorts of ways in which the, the, uh, the, they've discussed how much money the, the rich have made during the pandemic. But billionaires, it turns out, made uh, those who have a billion dollars made together one trillion during the pandemic, which is just extraordinary. Of course, I guess many would say it was the former leader who that was the reason they were able to do that. One would think that because they already were well set up, uh, the billionaires, and are still set up, that they may not really need that trillion, uh, considering it wasn't like they were out there working and, and getting stuff done. They, they might want to kind of, you know, you, you'd think on their own. But no, we got to kind of ask for it. And, you, but, uh, and, and there's stuff that we need to do. The Biden administration is talking about an infrastructure bill that will cost like uh, $2 trillion something. I don't have the, I'm not sitting here with it. It's a lot. It is a lot. And, uh, you know, it's roads, it's bridges, it's the, uh, it's the, the Wi-Fi. The, it's all of the things that would, would bring us into the 21st century because we're 13th when it comes to the infrastructure in the world. 13th. Not even the top 10, 13th. And that doesn't seem to disturb uh, the Republicans uh, in any fashion. They don't want to work on this. Uh, they think that they, you know, uh, some of the Republicans even say that if it's not just roads, you know, that should, that's all infrastructures, it's roads. It's certainly not the bridges. I mean, it's just madness. It's just roads. It's, it's everything that allows us uh, to be in the 21st century and beyond. We have not fixed anything in years because we wanted to save fucking money. And now we have. And now we got to pay. Because you, when you don't pay for it, when it needs to be paid for, and you pay for it later, guess what? It's more fucking expensive. And that's always the way it's been. And that's always the way it will be. Everything goes up. Everything. So it's amazing to me. The, the Republicans have said they're not going to help with this at all. And, and God, do I get tired of this. What I get really tired of is, is that, um, you know, my, one of the things that I did for a long time as a, as a comedian, one of the, it was, to, was the fact that I could, you know, it was both sides appalled me. But come on, guys. You, you know, you Republicans, you can't. You can't keep pulling this shit, okay? You can't keep going, no, I'm not going to, because everybody wants this stuff. Everybody, all right? It's like 60% and up, sometimes as far as 90%, all right? They want the shit fixed. But what are they talking about putting in housing? Yeah, because a lot of them do. That's called infrastructure, all right? So that people can live better. And guess what? If they live better, then they... Uh, then maybe they, they, you know, they'll do their jobs better and maybe they aspire to get higher and their kids do better because they want more and everything moves up. And the social ladder kind of has a mobility to it, which is what this is supposed to be about. And since it hasn't worked in a long time, it may be time to go back to see, ooh, maybe if the federal government helps. Because you know who doesn't build roads? Private industry doesn't fucking build roads. And they don't give a fuck. And so they're going to be taxed, and that drives the Republicans. Right, can't really tax. Yeah, you have to. 
Okay? You have to. Because that's one of the reasons the shit didn't get done. Because we weren't getting the, the money we needed to do the shit. We wanted to be sure that everybody, you know, who was making a lot of money had more money for reasons that will always escape me. Because, uh, boy, if those, geez, if those corporations just had more money, everything, they'd be profit sharing. Well, that hasn't worked out. None of it's worked out. So it's time to get uh, things back on track. And I just wish the Republicans would help. Because what they have to say is important. Why? Because they're conservative. They're conservative about spending. And they're conservative about the way they look, at the, the way things should be done. And a lot of the times their suggestions are really good because they look at it in a different way than Democrats look at it. And why do I believe that? Because when I was a kid, that was the way it was. Yet Democrats and Republicans, and you didn't really, both sides really gave a shit about the American people and what the American people thought. Uh, and sometimes you went, as I did when I was a kid, you know, you you went for, uh, as we did, a Republican senator, as I did, my drove my mother nuts in uh, Charles Mac Mathias in Maryland. Really smart, uh, really on time, really got it. And that's what we need. You need that kind of ability, you know. The Democrats want to spend money. I've been through this a thousand times. The Democrats want to spend it. And then the Republicans are supposed to come along and figure out how to do that uh, in a more economic fashion. How can we save some money? That's the way it is. And I, I want to do it. <laughs> I want to do it. You got your judges, all right? And that's a big a shot of control. Now shut the fuck up and help the people who elected you to office. Because a lot of them don't want to pay to have their fucking broken axle fixed for the 36th time because you won't fucking fix the potholes in their roads. People want this shit done. All right? There are whole pockets in the country without it. And and should we do, you know, and should the post office be involved in, in, in get, should they be involved in terms of infrastructure money? Fuck, I believe so. I don't know if they are, but they fucking should be. Son of a bitch. I travel through this whole country. There are chunks of it that are forgotten. Just ridiculous. Meanwhile, it came to light that the third largest cause of death in this country over the past year uh, was COVID. That's right. Uh, it was uh, the virus. Yep. And there's a whole bunch of Americans who don't think that the uh, there was, that that was a real thing, that there was no such thing. Really didn't exist. These people were really had other issues and they, they should be putting other, uh, there should be, you know, uh, you know, it's diabetes killed them or they were overweight and they, all these, they shouldn't put it under COVID. COVID didn't, that's just a flu. All right. You know, it, more than a half a million people die and you're still, you're still denying it? I mean, that's just insanity, okay? And those of you, I believe, and I firmly believe this, that those who don't believe it was real, um, that we need to start building uh, mental hospitals. For those who, who, who truly do need them, of, of which there are many in our country, and those who need them because uh, they're denying reality. And they have to be sent there, like those who don't believe that there was a pandemic. And those who uh, 
put our healthcare system and those who really uh, who work within that system and were were taken really to the to the point where they were almost many of them were broken by it and and others who were just you know taken to the limit uh, by folks who just refused to do the basic things that would have kept uh, their community healthy and now we're racing back to it and I've talked about it. Oh boy, no, we're ready to go. Uh uh-uh. uh. Couldn't wait a few more. I won't go there. Let's stop. We've already been through that. Mixed messaging doesn't help. The CDC said uh, fully vaccinated people can do air travel at low risk. But they also said, in the same breath, uh, we don't want you flying on planes. So, meanwhile, you kind of go, well, I, and I have friends who were flying at this point and have flown. But meanwhile, you get people racing back to fly, and many of them haven't been. They're there with their masks and doing whatever it is that they think, you know. So, I mean, I just wish they'd said uh, it would be, you know, people who are double vaxxed, I mean, you know, sh- should be able to fly at a very low risk. And it would really help if those of you who are not, you know, at least vaccinated once, should avoid air travel until you have been vaccinated once or until we've reached some sort of immunity of sorts. Oh, boy. But good luck. No, it's really safe to travel. Everybody knows that. It's really good to get on airplanes. But meanwhile, they're packed, and the airports are packed, and everybody's getting closer and closer to each other. Uh, Good, 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 good. Baseball season started. That gives everybody a lot of hope. Get out to the ballpark, mask up, social distancing. Folks can get out there. It's, you know, it's that sense of, uh, well, just right out of Easter and Passover, we're at the ballpark. That'll be fun. And it will be if you've got a team. I have the Baltimore Orioles who sucky, suck, 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 suck. And there are actually many birds are protesting the team. It does. It insults birds. Birds actually uh, may be able to field a, a better team. And it's not the fault of the players. It's just that we're we're in a rebuilding process that seems to be continual and uh, allows them to pay not a lot of money to a lot of players and uh, and make some money at the ballpark. I don't get it. I just don't get it. And I, I would hope that what baseball would allow is for us to have a dispensation this year and uh, not so much have to put the pressure on us to be in the league as if we could be in the league, but it would be it would be an asterisk. And what we'd be doing is a continuation of spring training, which would then continue from the spring training we did through the spring training of next year, and then we'll play. Because by then we should have at least uh, two ball players who were developed, fully developed, <laughs> ready to go. It won't be fetal ball as uh, as it appears to be now. Wow. Just Unbelievable. Unbe-fucking-leavable. You know, and I'm here in uh, New York City where all my friends pretty much are Yankee fans, and uh, they just, you know, can't beat their chest loud enough. So, and I'm forced to sit and watch uh, games, and the only joy that I get is to uh, hope that, you know, is to watch in hopes that the Yankees lose or root for my friend Kathleen's team, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, because I know a certain amount about them because I watch them because of her. Uh, also, baseball responded to that uh, 
incredible uh, voter, one would say suppression, one might, uh, law that was passed in um, the great state of Georgia. Baseball decided to pull their all-star game from Georgia. Uh, and and boy, did that set off uh, the governor. God, he was upset. They are trying to cancel us. They are trying to cancel. No. They, you, you chose to do something politically that they don't agree with. And that's what happens politically. And uh, you really liked it when they did agree with you and they don't now. So that's the way it is. It's called Tufsky Shitsky. All right. You could have done this in a fashion that wasn't so obviously kind of a rewrite of the same fucking nonsense of ways in which to, to make sure that minorities and folks of color didn't vote. You know, you could have done it in a subtler fashion, but no, you decided to go right back to the, to the same fucking, uh, you, you, the same game plan you, you used year after fucking year after fucking year. And, uh, and, and then the problem is, is that a lot of us have been home. And so they've been showing a lot of documentaries and catching folks up on, uh, the history of, uh, you know, what you've been up to and, uh, Baseball went, no, 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 no. That's not cancel culture. There is cancel culture, and uh, it is coming your way, and it's coming from both sides. Both sides will be doing it. And it is exhausting, and it is tiring, and it is not worth the time of day. And I guess I'll be talking about that at some point, but I'd rather wish that was discussed at colleges, and then they could send out little paragraphs to the rest of us after they finished uh, making their decisions, because a lot of this is just bullshit. A lot of it is bullshit. And, but this isn't, you know, they didn't want to, they, they didn't agree. And, uh, and neither did Delta or Coke. All right. And there'll be a lot of other folks who don't, and they may not give you all the money that you're going to need to run. And you might want to rethink your position. You might want to realize that um, everybody gets to vote in this country. That day is over for you. All right? Good night. And so before I go, just a couple of things. We got uh, a few things from my, my favorite, The Week. This is after Long Beach, California, Mayor Robert Garcia vowed that the city's Rainbow Stripe Pride lifeguard tower, which was burnt down last week in an apparent hate crime. Apparent? I'd have to say that's probably a hate crime. I don't think you, they weren't, unless they were doing a barbecue and run out of, you know, run out of briquettes. It will be rebuilt. And this is spectacular language, use of language, even gayer. Boy, I hope they have photos of that. Thank you, Mayor Garcia, for an even gayer lifeguard tower. Also in Minnesota, where we've got that extraordinary trial taking place, um, you know, and uh, over the death of George Floyd um, with that cop whose name I will not mention. Um, a Minnesota dinner theater company has canceled its production of Cinderella because the cast was too white. Now, uh, when I was a kid, that was about one of the whitest things on earth was, was Cinderella. And, and it didn't need to be white, that's for sure. But, uh, they, but they canceled it because the cast was too white. In an anti-racism update, the Chan Hassan Dinner Theater said that it did not cancel Cinderella because of content. 
You might have, though. <laughs> it's just, unless it was for, I mean, it's for kids. Uh, but because our original casting didn't go far enough in our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, good. Good for you. That certainly can be a mixed cast without any. And it probably make it better, that's for sure. And more interesting. And all sorts of points of view can be brought in to bear to, to make a more mature production. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at the diversity. I'm just laughing at Cinderella. Ooh, I wouldn't want to sit through that again. Nope. Maybe that one. Nope. Not even that one. Good luck with it. I won't be there. Uh, my hair is cut, though, so I, I'd be looking good. I had it cut on Saturday, and uh, it's that was a, a, a wonderful because I've been looking like a psychotic, a, a prisoner of war, of my own war. And uh, I got to wander around parts of the city I haven't been in quite a while. And the, it was booming. Folks were out. You could feel the energy, and it was really, it was really great. It really was. And people were masked up. That's right. And, uh, and some, it looked like they were giving away free shit in part of the, of the city. There were lines in front of stores. Lines. Folks waiting to get in. They needed their sneakers. And so here we are, uh, Rantcast 37. And this week, we're not going anywhere. We're just, uh, we're not, the bus is not moving. All I did was take uh, the rants that came in and please continue to send them because we'll be doing more and more of these uh, just rants that you send in without uh, going on the road. And uh, I'd like to thank all of you who, uh, who, who did some splendid writing. And uh, I'm, it was a pleasure to read it. Uh, this is the only show uh, in America, I will continue to repeat that, that's been written by the audience. And I can't tell you how much uh, it means to me to be, uh, to be your voice. I hope you enjoy writing it as much as I enjoy reading it and, uh, and that um, you're all doing well. And I hope that you get vaccinated, that you get to uh, spend more and more time with your loved ones and those you haven't seen and that you continue to take care of each other. I'll be back again next week. That's right. And uh, we'll be doing a little more uh, filming because we have that access now. Yes, sir, Bob. It's quite exciting. I look forward to it. Should be interesting. <laughs> we'll see. You go, oh, no, that's what he looks like now? Well, I don't know if I want him to come to my town. This came to us from Bama Cordis. Morning, Lou. First of all, I used to be in the military, so needless to say, I drink, curse, and carry on like the best of them. To give you a deeper context, we used to say we were a drinking squadron with a flying problem. And I worked with the only person I've ever met that could construct an entire sentence using only the word fuck. You're a close second, Lewis. A very close second. But this man has you beat. Step up your fucking game if you want to steal that title. Now that we've established what I brought to this fight, let's get to the rant. The day before these events unfolded, I had more than overindulged. So this particular day, I was a useless fucking waste of oxygen. If I wasn't flat on my back holding down the couch, I was bent over the toilet 
purging like the scene in The Exorcist. Thank the fucking universe the kids are back in school and not wasting away with distance learning. So I was able to wallow in relative peace. What a damn joke that one is, distance learning. Uh, but I digress. Daughter is 11, son is nine. At least they're no longer in diapers. Husband gets home from work and daughter is pinging him incessantly about taking her to the supermarket. I don't know why, in the good God hell, why she was so worked up over it. The fridge and the pantry were full. So from the moment my poor, overworked husband walked through the door, she was buzzing in his ear like a damn gnat that was impossible to swat. Jump to the boy. His iPad is his life. Anyone with a son can likely relate. Sometimes I want to throw the thing in a fucking lake. Fuck! Could he be any damn louder gaming with his friends? But I won't, because I love him. So apparently my daughter has taken to unlocking his iPad and fucking with some of his games. What the fuck is Blocksburg anyway beyond a money pit to my wallet? Ah, siblings, I would almost... Trade the diaper days for having to referee the nonstop petty bickering. God, son is pissed, rightfully so, and thus constantly changes his passcode. She's presently trying to hack in and manages to get it wrong so many times that it locks him out. Oh, fuck me, I already have a headache. They collectively misguess so many times he gets locked for an hour at a time. He's distraught and livid, then begins pestering my husband to fix it. So the girl is in one ear about the market, and now the boy is in the other for his iPad. And I'm absolutely negative help at this point, because I'm so fucking hungover. Whew. And um, we have a two-year-old border collie who yaps constantly. Are you seeing the picture I'm painting? Hey, Throw a can of paint in the blender and turn it on without the lid, and you may start to understand the utter disorder and chaos. Apparently, there's a way to sync up to iTunes and unlock it. So right after dinner, the boy is all up in my husband's shit again to help. Husband turns on my computer and has to sit through about 45 minutes of updates. What the fuck? I've never seen an update improve anything. Boy, is that ever true, Bama? Is that ever true? Finally, he gets in, and guess what? We can't figure out the iTunes password. I have it in my phone. You'd be proud it's a combo of expletives, and it won't fucking work. So hubby decides to try his computer. Guess what? More fucking updates. At this point, you've already heard what transpires. Still can't get into fucking iTunes. Mind you, my husband hates Apple. Hates Apple. But I think that has already been covered in more than a few other rants you've shared. Oh, yes, I have. And I myself have uh, gone off on them more than once, as you well know, as I've stood there on stage with this iPad. Now it has been two and a half hours He's nowhere near a solution. At this point, I drag myself to bed. Good fucking luck, honey. I know shit about this kind of crap. I blew stuff up for a living before I birthed your spawn.
I did not trouble myself with fucking ones and zeros or whatever the fuck computer nerds waste their day doing. He calls the customer support number, tolerates a brief and blissful 38-minute hold. The whole time enduring the same god-awful tanned recording that repeats every 20 fucking seconds, punctuated by way too loud elevator music. He finally gets a person, of course, with a nearly unintelligible accent, but manages to get things solved. But here's the final kick in the ass to which my husband about throws the iPad into oncoming traffic. Now there is a 24-hour hold from the time of the call to unlocking the iPad. Are you fucking kidding me? At this point, it's nearly midnight, and Hubby has already lost four hours of his life that he'll never, never, never get back. But things got fixed, and the iPad survived near death from my husband. Fuck me. All of this had to happen during a hangover. The moral of this rant, write down your damn shitty fucking password. I'm not saying post it on Facebook, but for fuck's sake, and the sake of dads everywhere, keep it somewhere. P.S. On behalf of my husband, go choke yourself, Apple, for building your damn empire and then making us play by your rules. And second takeaway, be careful with alcohol. Really? For some of us, it can quickly spiral out of control, and one usually doesn't notice until it's too late. Thanks for listening. Please say hi to Kathleen for me. I shall. She's the funniest damn lady I've ever heard. Me too. Oh, and Lewis, work on incorporating fuck into full sentences. I certainly will give that an attempt, Bama. I certainly will. Um... Something I wondered is, what happened to you? Did your daughter get lost in the iPad, too? What did she want from the, the market? That's the part of the story. I, was, I wondered, well, what did she want? But it all got, it all ended up on the iPad and that fucking password. Boy, do I understand that one. Unbelievable. And I like the fact, too, that a lot of the times when I'm dealing with this, either the the fucking computer, the pad, whatever, that when you go to put in your code and you miss it twice, they go, hey, fuck you. You're going to have to change it. Fucking dicks. And then you go and put in the code that you were you, that you know was the code that you put in that was the original code, and then it says you used that code. God, that sends me through the roof. God, now I'm irritated. Thank you, Bama. Anonymous Anonymous wrote in this rant, and I think you'll see why Anonymous Anonymous chose to be anonymous. Whoever Anonymous is wrote in two emails. One came in a little later. I'm going to read the first one, and then I will follow it with the second one. It's uh, together they make, uh, they make their own little, uh, make a third story, I think. Due to my job, I am forced against my will to listen when they are in session. Yesterday, they discussed legalizing marijuana. As was expected, all the Republicans were against it. What were the reasons? The people of New York are morons, and if given an endless supply, constituents will crash cars. Give it to toddlers. 
and get so high, businesses will have to spend all their days wrangling them like sheep. Oh, and everyone will end up on coke or heroin within days, because on their planet, no one has any experience and is just waiting for the legalization to go fucking wild. It's unfucking believable. But when it comes to guns, everyone is an angel. And no unnecessary harm would ever happen. Which is it? Are you telling me there are two sets of people and no one crosses over at all? Hey, here's an idea. Quit the patronizing bullshit and accept that marijuana has more benefits than you want to admit and trust that people have figured out how to use it in everyday life. And those that don't, don't need to just be thrown in jail. They need better health care. And this was followed when Anonymous Anonymous wrote, Hi, earlier today I submitted a rant under the same email about marijuana legislation. Thanks to Pandemic Brain, I think I forgot to mention I work for the New York State Senate, which might make it make more sense. Thanks, hope all is well. Anonymous Anonymous, it also may mean that you were kind of trying the, the, uh, the um, marijuana out just to see if, if uh, the legislation was working, and that's what made you forget. I just love the fact that that's that, that, <laughs> those, that you've sent it in later. But I, it could be pandemic brain. Uh, and, I, and sometimes, and, and, and really when you're, I guess, uh, working around the New York State Senate, you, you don't need to be high. You just kind of sit there, and it's like already listening to them, it's like already being stoned. You don't need the drug to be stoned. Uh, their reality takes you out there. Thanks for, the, thanks for sending that in. Here's a rant from uh, Tim Ludwig. Gay people rant too. As a 57-year-old man who came out four years ago, I can honestly say things are universally fucked up. Firstly, now I have to go back to English class and learn my pronouns again. My brain and eyes can't be the fucking judge of that anymore. Last week, when greeting a fellow volunteer to nonprofit I work for, I was asked, what are my pronouns? What the fuck? It's Monday, 8 a.m., tired, no coffee, and you want to know who I identify as? Shit! Then I was given a name tag to ID me as he, him. I should have worn a goddamn He-Man shirt. I could give two fucks what someone calls me. That's why I have a name. At my age, call me an asshole, but I can't name all the genders. This isn't fucking Jeopardy. Also, every gay dating app is full of mistruths. Oops, lies. That picture you took in 2005 doesn't hold up to your look today. So you list yourself as six feet tall, 180 pounds, athletic body. Nope, you are five foot eight, 230 pounds, and wearing a fucking inner tube, but you blame the pandemic? Bullshit. Don't even start with your dick size. I measure mine in centimeters so I feel better about myself. Gay men can be the most shallow and don't own mirrors. Then there are all the categories and you can be asked, what are you? 
twink, a cub, a bear, an otter, a pig, a daddy, trans, bi? Are you versatile, a top, a bottom, and on and on and on? It's exhausting. But if you don't fucking know, you can't be seen as an authentic, card-carrying gay man. Bullshit again. Acronyms. More feeling like I am as old as a fucking rock. We went from LGBTQ to today's LGBTQIA. My money is on most gay people cannot unravel all these fucking letters. The answer is lesbian, gay, gender neutral, gender queer, bisexual, by gender, transgender, transvestite, transsexual, questioning queer, intersex, allies, androgynous, asexual. LGBTQIA. I'm not sure what some of these even mean. My fucking solution is let's add an E. Everybody, everywhere, or O for others. Shit, shit, shit. Fashion. Holy fuck. Be careful to ask a gay man for fashion advice. Is polo the only fucking shirt to wear? And why does the shirt have to be one size smaller than I wear? My ex-BF tried to purge my wardrobe of non-gay clothes. Jesus Christ, I'm not a fucking gay Ken doll. Oops, that's too gender specific. The bullshit thing is I listened to many of his suggestions and now I'm a fashionable, anger, broke, old fucking gay man. Fuck me. But... Now I am a white minority because of my gay classification. I realize I have to work my ancient ass off to maintain my gay status and be totally politically correct in conversations and thoughts. Heaven forbid or hell, if I laugh at a joker situation that wasn't vetted for gender and purity, the answer is clear. When I was a teenager, I took matters into my own hands, and as I drift into my golden years, I will repeat that lesson jerk off by myself, taking matters into my own hands. Thanks <laughs> for letting me unload. I mean, with my words, Tim Ludwig, thank you for that. <laughs> it was quite enjoyable. If you've not listened to my very, very good and good friend and very funny comedian, Judy Gold, on all of this, the LGBTQ and, and things such as you were ranting about, um, you might want to uh, go online and uh, Google her or try to find her on YouTube. Uh, she's done some great material on it, and it knocks me out. It was very reminiscent of it, in a good way, not in a, oh, I bet you stole it way. It was <laughs> a really solid reaction to, uh, to a world that gets stranger by the minute. As the world open up, you know, the world keeps opening and get and getting, it, 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 it's just amazing. The world continues to open, and as it opens, it closes. It just makes no sense. How can a world that gets that open, it, it just, it, it's like, oh, we're going to open up the world so we can feel more claustrophobic about our thoughts. Eventually, I'll figure out what I was trying to say there. A rant by Robert Peterson. I'm 33 years old, and in July of 2020, I decided to get a divorce. Since then, I've been looking for someone better than my ex-wife. Maybe that someone will hear this rant, and we can make a connection through the universe. 
Yeah, right. At every turn as I venture out into cyberspace looking for my soulmate, I end up finding several of them who want to be my soulmate. And all they ask in return is a fucking Steam gift card. What the fuck is that? Left and right, I get these wheezing bags of dick tips. And their pictures are so attractive. Beautiful women, gorgeous women. And you can find them on fucking Pornhub, goddammit. These people are on my back constantly and continue to try and get fucking money from me. Money I don't have. One dick tip asked me for $7,000 to help restart her modeling career. Another wanted me to open up a green dot account for her. What the fuck is that? And at every turn, I find people wanting these stupid fucking steam cards. Explain to me how one particular girl wanted me to get her a steam card to pay to get her gas when you can only use steam cards on their platform. You can't buy gas with a fucking steam card, assholes. So I decided that I'm going to go out now and look for these people and fuck with them. I'll take their photos and run them through socialcatfish.com and see if they came from anywhere. And lo and behold, the photos of most of these chicks are porn stars. At this point, I'm enjoying myself completely now. My frustration has turned into some sick, cynical pleasure as I waste these fuckers' time and energy. After all, I'm single, and I haven't been laid in a while, so I might as well have some eye candy. In closing, if you read this rant, please let the audience know not to fall for these fake asses, because they're after only one thing, and it ain't between your legs. <laughs> Fuck you, scammers. Rotten hell. Wow. Robert, you know, going out in well, July of 2020, well, in, the, in, the, in the middle of the pandemic uh, online, that's just, <laughs> I think you're going to have to wait till normal again, Robert. I mean, I'm certainly the last person to be giving advice when it comes to relationships, but it's just a hell of a place to be online at this point. It is madness online, I think, more so now than before. So wait till the bar's open. Or you really get a sense of where someone's coming so they can fuck you over in person. Robert, thank you. I'd like to thank Terry Novak for this addition to Rantcast 37. Hello. I feel like I need to at least say hi before I start bitching. I work with the largest car auction company in the United States of America. The best way to describe my job is watching a bunch of very rich people horse trading cars like they're at a slave auction. The sound is like listening to a Gregarian Buddhist chant, but it's down south. So imagine if Earl got out of his monster truck long enough to babble like a dyslexic Ralph Cramden from The Honeymooners. This place is so racist that there are no black auctioneers anywhere. This seems to be a part of the auctioneering culture. I could go on, but I'm typing from my phone. And no, this is full of typos. Fuck you, autocorrect. I've learned that most people don't give a shit about what I have to say, so I usually keep my mouth shut and look at people when they're speaking to me, like I give a shit about what they're saying. It's only fair. 
To pass the time at work, I listen to podcasts, and I enjoy yours very much. And when I can get in front of a computer, I can elaborate more on the morons I work with. Well, Terry, I look forward to those <laughs> elaborations. And, uh, and I, knew no, I, I knew nothing about the, uh, the world of, of car auctions. So uh, I look forward to hearing more about it. I mean, I see him on TV. John Bowman, the, who's the op- who opened a lot of shows, and uh, uh, Ben Brewer, my um, the tour manager. They're, bo- they're both kind of car nuts, so uh, they they watch the car auction. All righty, thanks, Terry. This is a rant by Jacob N. I've been listening to your podcast for only a short bit, but it is quite entertaining. The nights that I'm driving my truck, it helps keep me awake. Well, I'm glad I can do that. Better better me than than, uh, you know, speed, I think, <laughs> or, or whatever else is, is going on out there now. You recently had someone ranting about furniture, but my piece of shit memory can't remember what exactly, and it pisses me the fuck off. I can remember stupid fucking trivia shit about a country I learned in the third grade, but can't remember something from like a day or two ago. That will have to be a rant for a different day. It is a rant every day for everyone. Um, Jacob, uh, everyone, it's called pandemic brain fog. I talked about it last week. <laughs> We've all got it. And it really is, it's taking a toll. And, uh, and I know that you're, you know, about the, the, the person that you have, I know that there was the rant about the furniture and the stuff and the things that were falling apart, but I, and I have a vague memory of it, but I wouldn't have remembered unless you reminded me. What that furniture rant got me going on is why the fuck are these furniture companies putting in shitty ass bolts and fasteners to assemble their cheap ass products? My mother recently purchased a simple bookcase that obviously had to be assembled to save that extra five bucks that could have went to some starving kid in China. I opened the box and wouldn't you know it. It only had a few pieces and one type of screw. I was rather impressed since my mother also had me put together a table only a week or two before that ended up being a real pain in the ass. So I was glad this might take only a few minutes. But did it? Fuck no. Before I left to my mother's, I had texted her what tools I may need, to which I had no reply. So I bought what tools I had on hand, a box of socket wrenches, couple of screwdrivers, even a stapler in case uh, it had a backing uh, that they usually nail in with a hammer. I tried to be as prepared as I could. Just couldn't find my electric screwdriver. Probably left it at my mother-in-law's. Stupid fucking memory. As I started lining up the boards and hand starting the screws, I realized I was going to have a pain driving it into the woods. It was going to be painful. So, of course, they, they got the stupid fucking hex slot on top of the screw, the type where you either have to have a corresponding bit that fits or use that piece of shit Allen key wrench the manufacturer provides in the box. And guess what? Out of all the tools I brought, did I have the right bit? Of course fucking not. So I sat there for 40 minutes trying to hand crank these fucking screws with a fucking Allen wrench, thinking, how fucking hard is it to have screws that most people have tools for? 
I had two fucking screwdrivers, each for flathead and Phillip head screws. Why the fuck can't manufacturers put a tiny Phillips head instead of that stupid fucking Allen wrench? Can't be any more expensive. I kept at it, though, determined to fight through the constant slipping of the wrench and the eventual hand cramps from the overexertion of the muscles, usually meant to do only one type of repetitive motion, if you catch my drift. Anyways, I gave up about halfway, broke down, and went to the goddamn hardware store to get the right tool, steaming the whole drive there. Glad I could vent to you. Jacob N. from Central Wisconsin. I'm glad you could vent to us too, Jacob. It's not just to me. It's to all the folks out there who at least didn't have to deal with with non-existent tools. Fucking unbelievable. I think I had one thing from Ikea, and that was the end of that. I'm that person in Woodshop, if it weren't for the fact that we had to make a notebook, I'd have flunked it. Because the shit I made was frightening. My father was really good with tools. Really good. And I did not get that gene anywhere. Mm-mm. Well, safe travels when you're on the road. And I hope I can continue to keep you awake, Jacob. From Eric A., short but sweet. Hey, Lou, longtime fan. First time rant. Fuck Ted Cruz. Fuck him and four people that look like him. That is all. Thanks, Eric. Joshua Cheney went off on this, this subject. Hey, Lewis, what the fuck is up with escargot? I was a chef briefly at an upscale Italian restaurant and just never got the appeal. Hmm? When asked, how is the escargot? It took all my energy not to reply. It tastes like a mushroom, fucked a piece of rubber, and their offspring was slow roasted over a bed of wet cigarettes and instead reply, they're great. I would then watch as these smiling, godless heathens would scarf down bite after bite as if they were experiencing food for the very first time. How have we collectively agreed that these eldritch fuck ours are now a delicacy? How can something my mom told me not to eat when I was six in the garden is now an overpriced entree as an adult. This fucking hellspawn belong in a Stephen King novel or the planet Turdberg 4, not on a plate. It's not surprising that an anagram for escargot is ogre scat. <laughs> because that's what it fucking tastes like. Well said, ogre scat. Nicely done, Joshua. You had time to think about it. That's for sure when you were standing over eating it up in the kitchen. You know, the French would disagree, and I know many people, it's, I think one of the reasons the French upset many Americans because they eat escargot. I somehow, uh, I've liked them. I know, I get it. But you've got to realize it's, a, for many people, it's a phenomenal garlic delivery system. It's a different one, you know, outside of the garlic bread or maybe on your pasta. <laughs> this is a whole other way to, to get your garlic. And then, and then it's covered in butter. That always helps. And then you dip the bread in the... And that's the other thing. You eat it to get the reward of to dip your bread in the, uh, in the garlic butter. My brother um, 
lived in Paris, in Antibes, before it was Antibes, before it became Hoo-Haville, uh, for a number of years. And so um, he's the one who, in, in part, introduced me to it. Also, uh, you have to realize, I, I think I had, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. So he was part of the reason that I continue to pursue eating, eating escargot. And we used to go to a restaurant, a French restaurant in, um, in Washington, my family. And my mother was such a, a terrible, terrible cook. And I've said this time and again, that um, there was escargot was on the menu. And compared to my mother's cooking, so to give you an idea about that mushroom being, you know, fucking a piece of rubber, <laughs> the, the escargot tasted, tasted good to me. And I became kind of, I liked it. And, and you got to realize in France too, they, like, you know, we'll have like a bag of peanuts. What's a little weird is they actually will have a bag of the snails and they just kind of, will have little, you know, a toothpick in them and they, um, in, in, the, it's in each little snail and they'll, you'll pull the, the snail out. That, I won't go that far. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, I haven't had them in a while. As soon as I can, maybe I'll, you know, if they see it on the menu again, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll, I'll certainly think of you, Joshua. Thank you. Kim Lockman had this to say. Today, I ran out of my OTC, over-the-counter, allergy meds, but like any good hoarder, I stock up. I went to the cupboard to get more. On the shelf was a pristine package purchased at the local shopping club. I plucked it from the shelf only to face a terrible truth. It was one of those double-pack plastic contraption, and this is where my rage was born. What the fuck is up with these plastic fucking demons from hell? I mean, seriously. Every fucking time I buy a multi-item savings pack, I'm happy with the savings that I think I'm getting, but by the time I get it home, dread takes over because I have to open the fucking thing. I've drawn blood, sprained muscles, cried tears, screamed obscenities, all from the plastic packaging that makes you think you're saving money. What I don't understand is usually there are two or three normal-sized products packaged in one of these blister fuckers, so technically the company is paying more to package, and you're not saving anything if you do the math. To add insult to injury, you have to be Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger with a chainsaw to get into the damn thing. I'm pushing 60 and my arthritic hands can't do this shit. God damn it. If a company really wanted to offer savings and conserve on packaging expenses, they would make one larger package with more in it and ditch the plastic blister fucks. This isn't rocket science. Fuck. I've chuckled my way through the past year listening to your rant cast and with each installment, I think to myself, self, you really should give this a try. And finally, after a year, I composed my first rant and submitted it. No clue if or when it would be used. However, the act of doing it is opened a floodgate. And here I am again, sending you a synopsis of what set off my fountain of rage this fine morning. If nothing else, it makes me feel better. Thanks for listening. Kim Lockman, Bumfuck Egypt, Montana. Well, thank you, Kim. I'm glad it's a help. I get it with there's certain things. They package uh, 
you know, a razor with, you know, when you get a new razor and there's like three, uh, they give you like three razor blades with it and it's packed in a thing that uh, you, you I, I'm, I really am afraid I'm going to slip my wrists trying to get it open. It's unbelievable, some of the packaging. It's extraordinary. But, and, 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 and hence your need for the, uh, <laughs> for your over-the-counter meds. <laughs> Oh boy! Thanks for sharing, and uh, and yes, I, I do think getting it off your chest helps. And enjoy your time in, in bumfuck Egypt, Montana. A rant by Ronald Whiting. I work in a grocery chain in New Jersey. The stories I have to tell you will make your head spin. It all began with the pandemic and people breathing in their own carbon dioxide from wearing masks. I'm a firm believer that people's brain cells deteriorated with every breath they took while wearing a mask. Case in point, I work the seafood counter. Customer walks up to the counter, talking on her cell phone, stares me straight in the eye, and asks me that she would like a pound of deluxe ham sliced thin. Mind you, I have a full display of seafood on ice in front of her. Item number two. I'm wearing a hat with the company logo, a shirt with the company logo, a name tag with my name, and a company logo. Customer walks up to me and asks if I work here. I damn near had a stroke. Item number three. We put up signs all over the department about sale items for the week and prices. We also have signs in the display case with the price and name of the item. I can't tell you how many times people come to the counter and ask how much an item is or what type of fish is that. Outwardly, I tell them the price and what type of fish it is. Inwardly, it's a different story. I'm saying, read the fucking sign, you moron! I honestly think they should go back to teaching basics in schools. I agree, Ronald. I wholeheartedly agree. Had another customer ask for three dozen clams at $6.99 a dozen. Then she asked me, how much does that come to? What the hell is going on with this country? Is America actually dumbing down? Have a nice day. George Adair wrote this uh, just a few days ago, maybe a little longer, and sent it our way. Lewis, thank you so much for providing a relief valve, as every morning now I wake up happy, knowing the election's over, the fuss is over, the fucking rioting is supposed to be over, and I go, and I drive down to my local, very rural general store and post office. But on the way, I have to pass by a house right there on the side of our only paved road that gets us where we need to go. And there is a huge flag hanging on the side of the garage, right out there in the front yard. Fuck Biden! Such a thoroughly thought-out political statement. Now, since most of the sane world acknowledges the results of our presidential election, I have to wonder, what the fuck? But what really is burning my buttocks is the fact that they are a young family with children playing in all kinds of plastic junk all over their front yard next to the road. 
now having to see that flag every day since the election on my way into town, my fucking blood pressure shoots through the roof. I'm getting so apoplectic that my eyes glaze over and I could very well swerve off the road and run over those little crotch muppets. And I get even angrier when I realize that those kids are being brought up thinking it's okay to have foot-high four-letter words stand in for an intelligent political stance broadcasted to the entire county. When mommy says, eat your vegetables, do the little darlings say, fuck your vegetables? Oh, Lord, I sure hope so. Wow, George, sometimes I hit those back roads and I'd be crazy. I would lose my mind out there. I would lose my mind. Joseph Sternbridge wrote in um, this uh, piece about uh, a rant, really, about something, uh, a game I've never heard of. But it set him off. The pandemic has caused my wife and I to reconsider what activities and people are truly important to start up with again, now that we've both been vaccinated. Congratulations. I'm writing to ask you to convince my spouse, Phyllis, to jettison the scourge and pandemic super spreader event known as our neighborhood Bunko. If you've never heard of the game called Bunko, I hadn't. Let me describe this mind-numbing social circle jerk. This get-together of 12 meets once a week. The host sets up four tables with open dish snacks and three dice. In teams of two, the participants roll first for ones. After the head table reaches 21 points, the winners at each table move and the losers remain. Each table reforms with new teams. And then, now listen closely so you can understand the intricacy of the game play. Everybody rolls for the number two. This repeats all the way to the number six. Then, just in case anyone has forgotten how to count, they start all over at number one. Not one more but two more times. I'm already, I'm already tired, Joseph. Everyone has paid a small entry fee to attend this opportunity to fondle dice. In the middle, they all break for dessert and wine. At the end, the winners divvy up the loot. I wonder how much that would be. Is it worth it? <laughs> it I guess you wouldn't be writing if it was worth it. Now this social mixer designed to bring everybody in close contact with everyone else, eating and drinking and talking, handling the same dice, and perfectly designed to spread as much contagion as possible, has been going on during the pandemic with nary a slowdown. The emails state, you can wear a mask if it will make you feel more comfortable. All I can do is roll my eyes and thank Providence, my wife had the good sense to beg off this past year because of our pre-existing conditions and our age. Wink, wink. But now that we are vaccinated, those excuses are fast fading. Lewis, Bunko is even worse than you could imagine. Since no mental effort need be expended on the game, the true focus of the evening is gossip. This particular bunko coven is ruled by a narcissist who insists on knowing all that happens in the neighborhood. She makes snide digs at anyone who doesn't automatically agree with her and is an unthinking racist. 
generally mean and interacts with her family by yelling at them. Lewis, this woman could be considered attractive, but the sex could not possibly be good enough to overcome the hurt she leaves in her wake. If I'd met her in my dating years, even my randy hormones would have craved celibacy. And here's the kicker. The Bunko group is all lily white, while the actual neighborhood is multiracial. What can she really know of this tiny green fiefdom? Thank God we live in America, where we all stay in our homes unless we're driving anywhere we want. So the concept of neighborhood is loose at best. My wife thought it was necessary to keep some kind of contact with these people pre-pandemic since we'd moved here so recently. But her tales after a bunco evening could curdle blood. It takes her days to come back to me. And then it's time for bunco again. Please, please, can you say something to convince her not to fall under the sway of this mind fuck again? Respectfully, Joseph Sternbridge. Well, I'd like to thank you, Joseph. I don't know what I could say to your wife, but I, I, I think Phyllis, um, there are better things you could be doing than that. That sounds horrible. And then if it really makes you crazy by the end of it, Phyllis, stop it. There are all sorts of people in that neighborhood. You just don't have to hang out with the ones playing bunko. And why would you want to play bunko? You'd be better off playing risk. Just you and Joseph. And then may invite, invite over a couple or a couple of couples you really like. Okay. You know, and then battle over Kamchatka. Thanks for sharing, Joseph. And uh, I'll never be playing Bunko, unless the stakes are high. <laughs> unless there's money to be made. Wow. If there was a game like that in Vegas, I'd probably play it. Or in any casino, anywhere. But I usually stick to video poker. Now I'm just pining for video poker. A rant by Mark Wright. The information age is upon us, and yet we're dumber than we've ever fucking been. As a Gen Xer, I enjoyed a youth devoid of the Internet, but here we find ourselves with more information and data at our fingertips than at any point in human history, but we've lost the fundamentals along the way. If I had a shiny fucking nickel for every time I read or heard someone say, I've done some research, I would just sit back and wipe my ass with $100 bills. You see, I'm a researcher, medical, infectious disease specific to be exact. So this past year has been a cranial splitting extravaganza of these kinds of bullshit statements. A Google search is not research, you assholes. Never was. Likely never will be. The same tool that facilitates your ability to find any form of depraved sexual acts on camera cannot be the same tool to find useful, accurate, reliable, peer-reviewed, vetted knowledge. So just stop it. Research has a method. Begins with an idea or hypothesis, which any person is theoretically capable of, though that fuckwit with spitballs in high school biology is a lot less likely to form a good one. It then proceeds to the design of an experiment with sound, reliable, proven methods conducting that experiment, collecting data, analyzing data, and the formation of conclusions, if not more questions, and then it repeats. It is not a web search, and it is not conducive to a fucking 24-hour news cycle. 
Watching this shit play out day in and day out has made me long for the teenage years where my only question was, would you like fries with that? It is okay that science does not always have the answers and that they don't have the answers now when you think that you deserve them. It's okay that science gets things wrong. That is how science actually fucking works. You ask a question, test it, think you found the answer until someone else comes along and shows you that, oops, no, you were wrong. That's how it works. Any dipshit with a camera and Wi-Fi is not necessarily an expert. This is as true for science as it is for a host of other topics. Learn to be a discerning reader, a critical thinker, or go hide under a fucking rock and for God's sake, shut the fuck up about things you are not an actual expert in. When I want to learn how to be funny, I will watch and listen to Mr. Lewis Black. When I want to learn about how vaccines can be made in record time, knowing that the science behind the mRNA vaccine generation is damn near 20 years in the making, I'll talk to my fucking self. Have a great week, Lewis. Well, thank you, Mark. And thanks for teaching me what I need to learn. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was minimal compared to what you've learned on your own, Mark. That was an insightful rant and an enjoyable one. Thanks to all of you for listening to my Rantcast. If you have a rant you want to get off your chest, send it in to me at lewisblack.com forward slash live. You can think of it as therapy or whatever you want to think of it as. Just let it rip. And I want to thank the true stars of our show, the ranters and the splendid rants they gave us. Lewis Black's Rantcast was created and hosted by me, <laughs> Lewis Black. It is produced by James Salkind. Our theme song by Chris Lane. Executive producer, Ben Brewer. Executive producers, Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcast. And most of all, thank you, all of you who ranted so well on this show. <laughs>